Um, <clears throat> good morning. morning. It's good to be here with you guys this week. I'm so grateful for the opportunity, grateful for Tristan uh, and his message last week, which was, I think, wonderful. So if you didn't get a chance to hear that, please go back to gracespring.com and check that out because it was a great message. I needed to hear it. And so um, uh, if it was only for me, thank you for that. I appreciate you preaching that. Um, listen, before we move forward this morning, I want to do something. Uh, well, I want to do two things. First, I forgot to do this earlier. Um, Kevin kind of put me on the spot, so um, I need to put him on the spot as well. He's not here. Okay, see, he escaped. Um, there's a, uh, one announcement that we didn't make this morning uh, because it would have been awkward for Kevin to make it, is there's a, uh, there's a bridal shower for the women <laughs> later on this afternoon. So it's from 2 to 4, I think, is when it is, and it is for Emily. Uh, uh, Emily and Kevin are... are soon to be married, so, uh, so we invite all women and girls of the church to be a part of that this afternoon in the fellowship hall at about two. Um, the second thing I want to do is I want to invite Hercule. Can you come up here, Hercule? Uh, I want to I have him come forward, um, and I just noticed what a great time to make an announcement about expansion. There's actually a leak right here, so... Um, <laughs> So we're going to move over here, Hercule. Why don't you kind of come up here, and, and uh, we'll talk up here. Um, for those who, who don't know, this is Hercule. Uh, Hercule has been a part of this uh, church since before it was built, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Like, 1992. Okay, okay, so a little bit after it was built. Uh, but Hercule um, is a part of a, a ministry called Homes for South Haiti. It really has been the driving force with, behind that ministry. And uh, what it has done uh, over the, the last few years is built homes in South Haiti for a number of people. Also, we have uh, had an opportunity to provide some rice and things of that nature. And so I just wanted to have a moment to, I'm going to give you this. Mm -hmm. I know it's dangerous to give anybody a microphone, but I'm, I trust you. So I take it. Okay, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to give that to you. Because yes. uh, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions, especially in regards to Homes for South Haiti, but also in regards to the recent earthquake. So Homes for South Haiti, as I understand it, um, is, is something that kind of that you had a real vision for, a real heart for, and really got started when you were uh, able to purchase the equipment for making blocks to build homes. Is that, is that correct? Yes, Homes for South Haiti, well, after the earthquake 2010, and I went Haiti, so when I was over there, all the people got problem over there. When I see how they're sleeping um, in the United States, we don't let the dog be sleeping in that house. Mm. That killed my heart. And Dr. Ernst, my son, tell me, Dad, we have to do something. So I got to take what I got to do. So that I, uh, when I drive a garbage truck in the Jones Island, somebody give me big necklace. I say, well, I am a minister. I don't need the class. Hmm. I selling that in the downtown, in the corner over there, and then I buy one concrete machine. When I buy a concrete machine, I say, God is provider. So I just come in to Pastor Krista. This is, uh, I tell you, God is speak with them. And then he's standing with me. I tell Pastor Krista, five houses, how the people live. You wanted to build five houses? That's that time, yes. I, I show him the picture. Mm -hmm. I say, look how the people live. Mm. Uh, I buy the machine for making a concrete block. 
I need your help. What we can do? So, we, so you buy this machine to yes. build the blocks. We have pictures of the blocks that are, are, yes. are made here. Yes. So you sent me these pictures recently. Yes. Yes. So these are blocks that were made by this machine yes. that uh, Homes for South Haiti has. There's two machines now. Two machine. And this is the foundation of a house that is being built right now. So this is the foundation for house number 22. Number 22. So 22 houses have been built through Homes for South Haiti over the last few years, yes. which is pretty incredible. Now, the, the earthquake that recently happened, uh, it was in the region where a lot of these houses have been built, but my understanding from what you told me is about four houses were damaged by the earthquake. Not Most of them fared well, four houses, and one of them was, was kind of severely damaged. It's correct? true, it's true, because that four houses is different bus. It was one bus before, because the house you see, that is the house number two, was very damaged. He do something without it. He give everybody different size. Because he was got problem with that people, he make a house so small. Okay. We say no, we are Christian people. We don't use like that. We put them out. So that's why we but you build not a house and not a system. That house we build and not a system. No one got problem. Only one got crack. So all house we build all very well. Only four. Great, great. And yes. so hopefully we'll be able to find ways to to help with the repairs on those houses that were damaged. But exactly. But but continuing to build houses. Here's a cool thing. You sent me this this week, um, and I, I don't know really the backstory of this, mm -hmm. but there's a video that you sent me this week, and I mm -hmm. thought it was really cool, so I want to show this, just this real clip, quick mm -hmm. clip here of this video. Yes, that is a church, because the church got trapped there, make a worship, and they need a tree. Okay, so the, the, the church was damaged. Yeah, this is so a church we sent rice, we sent rice, we sent the backpack. So yeah. this is the church that we send rice and backpacks exactly. to. Exactly. And after the earthquake, there's damage in the church, but they're continuing to worship. Even this continuing morning, Continuing yes. to worship. Yes. And that, what, a, what a cool thing that is to see. Yes. That they continue to worship because God is still yes. worthy of our praise. Yes. God is still good. God is still worthy of us bringing him glory. And yes. so what a cool thing. And a cool thing for us to see as well, as we've partnered with uh, Homes for South Haiti over yes. the years, to see the church that is being impacted by, uh, and that, that we're, we're kind of partnering with, yes. you know, because we're, we're a part of this, the same church, God's mm -hmm. church, God's yeah. people. They, they are, they are wor we're worshiping alongside of them. So what a cool thing. Thank you for sending yes. Yes. that. Um, real quick, because I do have to get to a message this morning. Yeah. Um, we're providing backpacks and rice this year, we've done this over the last couple of years. Yeah. This is the church that it's kind more of than a couple of years. Through. Yeah. Okay. It's been more than a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. But every year around the start of school, we yes. provide backpacks and and, and rice. We and did. that need is especially great after the earthquakes. Correct. Yes, we still need that because I think probably they can push the e school for a little further. They say no, they got to open the school anyway. Okay, so they're going back to school right away. They're not that, delaying. That's why they're saying. They're getting back into the that's classroom. That's why they're saying. So they need the supplies, the backpacks to be able to, to, to uh, carry to school. Yes. And then the rice for the families, that is especially needed as well. They're really hungry. Yeah. They're really hungry. Mm -hmm. So because so many people really ask the staff, we got no help this year. The staff say, well, we have to keep praying. So I tell the, uh, the staff, tell them, yes, we will. So anyway, they they wait for their wives. Yeah. Um, I'm so grateful for your heart. Yeah. And for your desire. Yes. To serve. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught that. So this started 
when, when a gift, he was given a gift of mm -hmm. a necklace, mm -hmm. and he said, now I'm going to use this mm -hmm. for something to help others. Yes. What a cool, what a cool story and example that is of how we can use the things that God provides to us through others, and God provides in many ways to be a blessing to others. So thank you for, for that. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for the, the gift that you are to our congregation, mm -hmm. the gift that you are to, to so many of us. I'm so grateful for that. And I want to ask you, would you please pray for, um, pray for Haiti, mm -hmm. pray for the church there, mm -hmm. and lead us in prayer, pray for, for our hearts as well, that yes. we would be a people that continue to seek to, to give out of what God has given us to impact others as yes. well. Would you pray for that? Yeah, we will. I will. But the one thing we can do, don't forget Pastor Tristan. Mm. Don't forget <laughs> Angela. Would you pray for him as well? Don't forget. Yes. Please. I know, like I said, I have to get to a message, so, so don't pray for everything he needs. But, <laughs> but yeah, if you would pray, <laughs> that, that would be good. Heavenly Father, we come mm. before you this morning. We give you thanks for everything. One thing we know, Father, you are a tailor machine. You can fix everything break down. We left the wall in your hand this morning. Because the wall only damage, the wall only break down. No one can fix that back. Only you. Today we left before you room for South Haiti. Room for South Haiti, you speak in my heart, and the first covenant heart turned Grace Spring heart, and you continue to speak with Pastor Trista. Continue to speak with Angela. Continue to speak with Pastor Brian. Mm -hmm. And you push. A oya inside every single one in the church. Mm -hmm. You make everyone really stand up for whom for South Haiti. They don't even know what kind of job they did in Haiti. Thank you, Lord, to bring the people from to the sky coming inside the womb. Thank you, Lord, to give the hungry people food. Heavenly Father, this morning we just humble before you. Mm -hmm. to tell you thank you for Grace's point. Mm -hmm. We ask you to continue to speak with that people. This morning, we ask you again, Father, please continue to bless your people. I don't forget, Father, to bring before you family Lonis. He's not here this morning, but I know mm -hmm. you will be blessed. Him. We left Brother George in your hand Every single day, God do best he can for help the home for Savaiti. We left a, a, a one Berlin, Angela Mama, and every single one we forgot. We bring all before you. And thank you, Lord, to bring family Brian and this church this morning. I know you are only one can repair all brush. You are only one can make everything be wise. We just ask you, Father, please, every single one in this church this morning, show them the gift. Because you don't bring them to sit down. You put a gift in everyone. We ask you, Lord, help you people understand you are a God. You are a king of kings. 
You are a Lord of Lords. A star in the morning. You never be dead. You raise again. You are alive. We believe in you this morning. Father, please help Grace Spring to be the lie, to be stand up anywhere we go. They can see the lie of God is bright. We praise you this man this morning. Be with us and use us. And we rest. We live always service in your hand. Your spirit will be fly and we're on the church. And we believe in you. We hear you. You say everything. You behind the door. You knock the door. You say everything touch you. Everything understand you. Open the door you will. We just tell you father please just come. Just come. And we're willing for you. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thank you. I love you. Uh, if, you, if you get a chance and, and uh, can talk to Hercule about uh, Homes for South Haiti, I just encourage you to do that. Also, right now, if you want to give to Homes for South Haiti, you want to give to Backpacks and Rice, you can do that by putting urgent need on your check or uh, doing that online. In our, uh, our online giving there, uh, there's a drop-down that says urgent need. And i um, just so grateful that we have an opportunity to do that. Well, this morning we... Um, we're going to finish up with uh, our series on the I Am Statements of Jesus. Uh, over the last month or so, we have been walking through the Gospel of John and looking at each of these seven statements from Jesus that begin with these two words, I Am. And this morning we're finishing up with this claim from Jesus, the last of these statements, which is I Am the True Vine, or in verse 5 of chapter 15, just I Am the vine. Now over the course of this series, we've, what we've been doing is we've been seeking to discover what it is that in each of these statements that is revealed about the character and nature of who Jesus is. And so we're going to do that uh, with this passage this morning as well. But there are also at least two other points of focus in this text that we are looking at this morning. There are two other figures that are implicated here. And so along with what we are going to look at, at uh, the text revealing about Jesus, we're also going to see what it reveals about God the Father and also what it reveals about us. Because again, all three of us are implicated within the text. All three are covered here in the text. Now, as we approach this passage that we're looking at this morning that, uh, that Kevin read for us earlier, um, we can, if we look at the, the, the text surrounding this passage, we can discover a good deal of what is going on here while Jesus is speaking this word. Uh, this, this takes place after the Last Supper, uh, Jesus and his disciples had been in a room together for the Passover meal. He had gathered there with them and he had washed their feet and he had shared the, uh, a meal with them. And then he had told them that he was going away, but not to be troubled because he was going away to prepare a place for them. And then after all of this, he promised that the Holy Spirit would, would, would come and help them and, and, and that, that He would be with them. He would be an advocate and, and He would be with them forever. And so Jesus goes through all of this and, 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 and uh, after this He says, come now, let us leave. That is the last thing that we read in chapter 14 
of the text. And so they head off to the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane. That would be, this would be the last journey before Jesus is arrested and eventually goes to the cross. And that's where we find them here as we read this passage in John chapter 15 where we read this, I am the true vine. Now, throughout these various statements that we have been looking at here, uh, we have seen Jesus oftentimes use the setting or situation that he and the disciples are in as kind of a springboard for these statements. He says, I am the bread of life. And he says that on the heels of feeding the multitude uh, and, and as the people come looking to, for bread from him. And then he says, I am the light of the world. And he says that while he's in the court of women, the, 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 this, uh, this, this place where there would be this big light ceremony during this festival that they are in, the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and, and so, so in nu- numerous, on numerous occasions as we've looked at this, we kind of see Jesus play off of what was going on as he makes these different statements. And so now in this passage, as Jesus says, I am the true vine, we kind of have to wonder a little bit, what's going on? What is he getting at? You know, why is he using this imagery of a vine? I mean, the text doesn't say that they're sitting in a vineyard for a wine tasting, right? You know, the, so why is he using this, this imagery here of the vine? Well, I would say that there are a few possibilities as to what is going on here contextually surrounding this um, and surrounding what Jesus says here. See, ancient Israel was a, an agrarian society. It was an agricultural-based. Uh, uh, and so farming was a huge part of the way of life and the culture uh, of everyone at that time. And there were grapevines everywhere in ancient Israel. And so, so, so it's possible that Jesus is just using what would have been a common image to everyone, a common picture to everyone at the time. And he's making this point. I am the, I'm the vine. It's also quite possible that as Jesus and the disciples, they made their way from the upper room to the garden, that they were walking by some vineyards. You know, and Jesus just decided to use this vine, the vine, as an image. You know, the text doesn't give their exact location when Jesus says this, uh, but it's likely that they're no longer in, in this room that they were in, and that they have kind of made their way, unless Jesus is like standing at the door waiting for the disciples, and they're taking a long time to put on their sandals, you know, which I'm a dad and I have kids, I get that, right? Like, there's plenty of time he could have just gone into a teaching there, right? Um, so, it's, you know, I guess it, that is possible, but they're likely somewhere between the upper room and the Valley of Kidron, which we uh, read that they crossed over when we get to chapter 16 of the Gospel of John on their way into the Garden of Gethsemane. So it's possible because of the prevalence of vineyards in ancient Israel that they were w- just walking by some vineyards and Jesus decided to use the vine as an image. Now another possibility, and I would say this is more of a probability, uh, and and. Here's what I'll also say, is those first two could be true, and this third one could be true as well. They can all coexist, okay? Uh, the, the, the third thing, that I, and, and I think this is probably what was happening, is that Jesus was using one of the features of the temple as a springboard for his teaching and as a prompt for this meta- metaphor. Now, here's why. If you look at, the, there's a map here. This is, uh, uh, this is kind of the journey... You know, maybe that's where the upper room is, but that's the journey that would take them to the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? So, the temple would have been in full view 
as they made their way to the garden. And it would have been in full view in a lot of places, right? And, and, and even if it wasn't in full view, they would have had in their mind what, what you know, the temple looked like. And on the temple, there was a huge golden vine that, that with golden fruit and massive golden leaves that adorned it. And it was draped over the four columns at the entrance of the temple. And so, so this was what you, you would see when you're, you're looking at the temple. And it, it was massive. And the historian Josephus, he said that its beauty was such that it was known as a marvel of size and artistry to all who saw it. It was this magnificent golden vine draped over these huge pillars at the front of the temple. Now this vine wasn't just a decoration for the sake of you know, the people liking grapes. There was, there was actually some symbolism with it as well. And, and, and see, numerous times throughout the Old Testament, Israel, the people of God, are referred to as a vine. If you come across the imagery in the Old Testament of someone or something being referred to as a vine, it was generally pointing to the people of God. It was pointing to Israel. In fact, for example, Psalm 80, verse 8. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. And so here God's people are being described as a massive vine planted by the Lord. God brought them out of Egypt and planted them in their own land. And the, for, the whole purpose for their redemption was that they would bear fruit for His pleasure. Now here's the thing though. Most all of the references throughout the Old Testament to Israel as a vine are negative. They're pointing to Israel having failed or to be fruitful or faithful. They're pointing to the people of God as having not been who they were meant to be. Jeremiah 2 says, I planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? You know, if you come across someone or something, again, that's being pointed to as a vine in Scripture, it usually pointed to Israel or to the people of God. And yet most every time it was accompanied with a declaration that they were a vine that wasn't fruitful or wasn't faithful. And so God's judgment was going to come. And so uh, Isaiah 5, verse, uh, verses 4-5 through 5 says this, What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. And you know, you continue on in that passage and you just see that, that, that it continues on with this pronouncement of judgment on the people of God. And so, Jesus here is saying, I'm the vine, right? But in the first century, when you heard the vine terminology, if you were Jewish, it was almost always a not good thing. But what is cool about this, as, as we come back to this text, see, Jesus, He uses this imagery of a vine which would have been so familiar to His disciples, which is who He's talking to, and would have been so familiar to them in a variety of ways. And He flips that imagery on His head. 
And, and I, I, I think that that's really the first thing that we can pull from the text this morning is what is being revealed here in Jesus' words. And if this is the only thing that we pick up from this, uh, this time together, th- that's fine. Because what Jesus is saying here by using the imagery uh, of Himself as a vine, as the true vine, he, what He's doing is He's laying that over the imagery of Israel as a vine, the unfruitful and unfaithful. And what He's saying is, I've come to do what no one else can do i I, i've come to 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 be what you have not been able to be i am the true and faithful and fruitful vine and that what that is there is that is a gospel declaration from jesus he's saying everything that you haven't been able to do i am i am the true vine you know you're referred to as a vine but you haven't been fruitful you haven't been faithful but i am the true vine i am the true vine And that is incredibly good news. See, the image of the vine was this ironic banner of futility and failure that was waving over the people of God of how they had failed to be fruitful and faithful time and time again, no matter how hard they worked, no matter how hard they they tried, they had always fallen short. And yet Jesus steps into that mess and He says, no, I got this. I am the true vine. Now, the good news in that for us is that Jesus steps into our mess as well. Jesus steps into our mess and He says, hey, that banner of failure and that banner of futility waving over your life, here, the, the, you know, that banner that's waving because you've tried and tried and tried and you failed and failed again and again, here's the thing, that doesn't define you. Why? Because I got this. I am the true vine. I'm the one who is faithful. I am the one who fulfills everything that God desires from His people. I am the true vine. You know, we are are so often trying to work and work and work and we think that, you know, we need to be what we're supposed to be and so we're striving and we're trying to live up to what we're supposed to live up to and yet if we're honest, there are so many times where we just don't feel like we're enough. There's so many times where we can recognize in our lives where we've fallen short again and again and again. And yet here is Jesus saying, I got this. I got this. I'm the true vine. I'm the one who fulfills everything that God has desired for His people. So come to Me because I am the true vine. And that is good news. That is good news. Now the next thing that we, are, we, we, we see here in this passage and we're going to look at in this passage is what this reveals to us about God the Father. Uh, And this is still, again, this is still just verse 1. But Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Some translations uh, use gardener. The NIV uses gardener. Uh, The King James uses husbandman, which, what is that? (laughs) What in the world is a husbandman? um, No wonder they have a new King James. Um, But, uh, but uh, the, 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 the ESV uses vine dresser, which I, th- I think is, is appropriate uh, with this vine imagery. And, and that's the, the imagery I want to focus on because of what it reveals to us about the character of, the hev- of our Heavenly Father. I, um, I brought a grapevine this morning. Ah, thank you to Lowe's. So... I was, uh, I was reading about vineyards this week and what it goes into to plant and care for a vineyard. And the article that I was reading uh, was talking about how with a, the owner of a vineyard, 
when they plant the, 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 the grape shoot, there's no expectation that this plant is going to produce anything for like four to five years. And so uh, usually the first uh, two or three years, there's no real fruit, and then they'll get the first harvest of fruit. And if they're really serious about the quality of the fruit, they'll, they'll just let that one go. And it won't be until like year four or five that they'll actually have grapes that they can use, all right? And so what they'll do if, if you are tending to a vine is every year after the harvest, they will uh, they'll take, and, and the, there's no machine for this, even you know, after, with all the technology we have, still all of the vine tending nowadays is still done by hand. And so they'll go and they'll, they'll look after the, the vine is dormant and they'll, they'll look and see, Does, did this branch produce any fruit? No, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snip that one off. And, you know, is this one, this one is, you know, kind of diseased and it's, it's hanging a little bit low. And so I need to drop that one off. And, and so, and this one, this one isn't going to be fruitful. And so uh, I'm going to, I'm going to snip that one off. And so they go through and carefully will just snip and, and, and cut and look at all of the different things, you know, that need to, to, to be done to this plant to make it a fruitful plant and to make it into what it needs to be. Now, here's the thing. As I was thinking about this this week and thinking about this process and what that tells me about our Heavenly Father is that He is so patient and He is so caring with, with, with us. See, because I, I'm, I'm a lot different. Um, you know, my idea of pruning something is like I just... Ah, it looked like that was uh, that's, that's uh, about what it needs right there, right? Which, you know, is why, like, if any plants survive at our house, it's, it's despite me, right? Because that's, it's like, well, it's growing too tall. I'm not going to prune in a way and to cut in a way that, that it's going to produce fruit a year from now. A year from now? Like, I'm going to the store to buy grapes, right? Like, so, so I don't have that patience, you know. I, 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 but the Father, the Father, the Heavenly Father says He's the vine dresser. And, he's, and, and, and what, what I see in that is that He is so patient and so kind. He, he lovingly prunes us and He lovingly shapes us and clips the things that, that, that need to be clipped in our lives. He's so loving and patient. Now, some of you are, are listening to me right now and going, how can you say loving and pruning in the same sentence? And I get that. I get it. Because pruning hurts. Pruning hurts. And some of you guys are walking through some stuff right now and you're going, I don't see how this is loving or how this is going to get me to where I need to go right now. I feel like I'm being pruned right now but I don't see how this is going to get me and shape me into what I need to be. I don't see how this is loving. And I, and I, I, I get that. And I want to minimize anything that anybody's walking through right now, anything that you're, you're dealing with right now. But I will just say this. Some of the times that have been the hardest in my life, some of the times where there's been pruning in my life, have been also the places of incredible growth in my life as well that things happened in my character and things happened in my life in such a way that they couldn't have happened any other way. They couldn't have happened if I wouldn't have walked through 
what I walk through. We, um, we've shared some of this with, with, with some of you guys. We ha haven't ever really held back if, if we have an opportunity, but um, our, Aaron and I, our first year of marriage was just really, it was tough, brutal. She told me not to look at it. <laughs> so I'm not going to. Um, it was tough. I know we've shared this with some of you guys, but we don't, we don't disguise it because God used that in such an incredible way. And, and, you know, here's the thing. That, that first year, I was, I was a brand-new Christian. I was a brand-new husband, and I was not doing really well at either one of them. And, um, and I think that both of us, we had some just misplaced expectations on one another, and we were sorting through that. And it was, and it was a really terrible just times the situations we were going through as well. We got hit by two hurricanes back to back. Aaron's grandfather passed away and, and she was in a new location where she knew hardly anybody. And, and, and so all of this stuff just made that first year of our marriage so tough and, and brutal on us. But I look back on it now and I wouldn't trade anything. Because it's, it's really sweet now. And God's leading us through some really cool things that we wouldn't be able to walk through if we wouldn't have gone through that stuff and through that patch that we went through. It was hell at the time. I'm not going not gonna to minimize that. But now we look back and we go, thank you, God, for what you did through that. Thank you for the way that you grew us and the way that you shaped us and you're continuing to shape us and allow us to walk in a different way because of what we walked through. And so... so those times that we walk through often can be so uh, such a, a place where God uses them to shape us and, and mold us. I love this. I think about this quote from C.S. Lewis, and, and, and it was uh, just reminded of it this week. But he said this. He said, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you, can't, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. Then he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably. And it doesn't seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. He's throwing out a new wing here. He's putting on an extra floor there. He's running up towers and making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building up a palace because he intends to come and live in it himself. What a great picture. We don't understand what God's doing sometimes, and it's like, why are you building that in my life? It's because he has a different view of what, 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 what he desires us to become. And what he's, he's seeking for us, to, how he's seeking for us to grow and, and, and to be developed into our, in, in our lives. And so Jesus, as he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. What he's saying is, is, is you know, he's going to shape you, intends you to be shaped and, 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 and yes, pruned so that you produce the fruit that you are made to produce. And, and he is glorified in that fruit being produced in your life. Verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So Jesus says, I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. He's going he's to trim. 
He's going to snip off the things that need to be snipped off. But it's for your good and his glory. And so that's what I think we see here in this text is that the Father is so loving and so patient and he cares for us. The last thing that I, I want us to look at in this passage is what it reveals about us. Jesus, in verse 5, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me and I in you, he says. That word abide, if you look at the first 10 verses of chapter 15, it's used 10 times. And so with that much repetition, I would say it's an important word for us to hang on to. It's an important word for us to get our minds and our hearts around. In the message paraphrase, Eugene Peterson, he put it this way, live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. And I think that that's a really cool picture of what it looks like for us to abide. It is to dwell. It is to live in his presence. And, and what Jesus is saying here is that you and I are meant to do just that, that we are meant to abide in Him. We are meant to dwell in Him. And He says if we do that, we will be fruitful. Our lives will be filled with the type of fruit that, 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 that God desires to be produced in our lives. But if we don't, the fruit's not going to be there. That, that, that phrase, he says, he says, abide in Me. Apart from Me, you can do nothing. That phrase, apart from Me, uh, you can do, it's possibly better translated as apart from me, you cannot. You can't. In me, you can bear fruit. Apart from me, you cannot. And, and Think about this. This branch. It was a lovely branch. Um, but here's the thing about this branch. There's absolutely no way that this branch right now is going to bear any fruit. Why? It's, it, because it's, it's not plugged into the vine. Now, now the, the branches that are left on the vine, that's a completely different story because they're suck, soaking up all of the, the life-giving nutrients and all that plant stuff that goes through them to make them produce what they're meant to produce. You know? But this, this, this is such a, a different story. But, but here, this is so symbolic of how some of us try to live our lives. We're over here and we're apart from it and we're going, oh, I just want to produce some fruit. Right? And like nothing's coming out. Why not? Because we're not drawing on what we need to draw on. We're not connected to where we need to connect. And how ridiculous is that to think that this vine would be over here just striving and striving and trying to produce something on its own. But that's so much what we do sometimes. Is we, 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 we're trying to produce. And what Jesus says, He says, abide in me. Abide in me and the fruit's going to come. Like that's what happens when you abide in me is the I will produce not not you not not you're going to produce the fruit but I will produce it see we become just a conduit for the the the, the fruit that God wants to produce through us which which you know I guess that really reveals something about the about Jesus as well is is that you know we are his he's our supply we're dependent on him you know, He's the supply of everything that we need. If, 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 if we want to, to live the way that we're intended to live and to, to grow the way that we're intended to grow and to produce the fruit that we're intended to produce, that, that we are dependent on Him and He is our supply. 
You know, in Him we have everything we need, but apart from Him, we have nothing. And so that's what it reveals about us, is that we're dependent on Him. And apart from Him, our our, our lives are not going to be formed and fruitful in the way that they are meant to be and the way that they are supposed to be. And so this passage, it reveals Jesus is the true vine. He's the vine. He's the supply of everything that we need. We're dependent on Him. And God the Father is lovingly shaping us and pruning us in the way that, that, that we need. But we have to abide in the vine. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we abide? What does it look like for us to make our home in Christ? Well, I just want to quickly mention two ways. And, and both are mentioned um, in some way, shape, or form in this first part of John chapter 15. And, and listen, this isn't rocket science. Like, following Jesus isn't rocket science. If it was, I couldn't do it, right? All right? And, and, and that's the thing about the Christian life. Is it's, it's, it's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's straightforward. Jesus says, follow me. Okay, let's follow him. You know? He says, abide in me. Okay, abide in me. How do I do that? I think the two, two ways that, that, that are, are most important in this is, is first is through, through scripture, through his word uh, Jesus says if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you when God's word makes its home in your life our life and our trust in him will be shaped by that word and so the question is are we remain connected to the word of God, does his word have a home in our hearts if, if, if we are consistently allowing the word of God to make a, a home in our hearts and our minds then it's going to shape the course of our lives and you know I think every morning we, we wake up we have, an, we have an opportunity and every day we have an opportunity of what we're putting in our hearts what we're putting in our minds the place that we're, we're dwelling right and, and you know I mean you know, this can get plugged into a number of places, right? You know, is it, get plug, is it getting plugged into the dirt? Is it getting plugged into to, to our work, to our family? Is it getting plugged into a variety of things? Or is it getting plugged in to the vine, you know? And so, so it, I, I think one of the, the, the ways that we do that is through, through being in his word, his living word, and allowing that to shape our hearts and our minds. That is one way that we abide. And the other thing that I would say is through prayer. It's through coming to him and speaking to him. You know, um, Richard Foster, he said, prayer ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. Which I, I think, you know, what he's saying really is there that, that to pray is to abide. You know, it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. I love that. It's to come into pray, is to come into his presence, is to talk to him, to trust that God is good and to ultimately let him be who he is. Let God be God. And as we come to him in prayer, our hearts and our lives will be shaped. Our trust in him has an opportunity to, to grow. Even that which we ask for has the potential to be shaped. What does he say? He says, he says ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Right? The vine's... The grapevine's not asking to produce mangoes, right? Because it knows what it needs to produce. And when you align yourself with the Father, that which you pray for even changes 
because you, you have more of an insight into his mind and more of an insight into, into what his will is for your life. And so as you abide in him more and more, you are able to, to more and more fully say, oh, this, is, this, is, this lines up with who I know my father is, and this lines up with what I'm called to be. And so these are the things that I'm praying for. These are the things that I'm asking for. These are the things that I wish for, right? And so, so prayer is one of those places that, that we abide in Christ and, and the presence of, uh, of Jesus begins to, to, to be that which we live out of. So Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And, and, and as he says this, what, he's re, what is revealed is that not only is he the fulfillment of everything that God desired and desires for his people, the true vine, but he's also the source of everything that we need. We are dependent on Him to become who we are meant to become. And as we rest in Him and make our home in Him, our loving and patient Father shapes and molds and yes, prunes. Yes, He prunes. In order to grow us into that which we are created to be. And in that, He is glorified. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for this opportunity to come and worship you, to, to, to dig into your word, uh, to receive it. Lord, I hope, I, I pray that you would just help that to sink deep into our hearts. Help it to, to be that which just does a transformative work in our lives. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful for this, this time that we've been able to share together this morning. As we, as we come and worship now, and finish our morning out together in worship, Lord, I just pray that you be glorified. Continue to strip away those things that keep us away from you and draw us deeper and deeper into your love, deeper and deeper into your presence. We thank you for this morning, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.